welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Thank you everyone for being here today and tuning into the podcast. I am the host, Amy, and we're going to dive right in today. Um, In the U.S., we're on the heels of an extreme tragedy that happened nearly a week ago, and that was a school shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. And what's particularly horrifying about this school shooting is that the children lost were so young. Um, Amongst the 19 children that died, there was also two adults that were murdered as well, the teachers. And I had a totally different plan for this week, something that, you know, maybe was a little bit more lighthearted or more relevant to my personal story, my personal life, but I just simply can't shake this heaviness that I've been carrying since hearing the news. And it's something that before I can move on into, quote, business as usual on this podcast, it's something that I think needs to be talked about. So a heads up for all the listeners that it is going to be triggering, it is going to be heavy. So if you're not in the space to hear that, totally understand. Um, Feel free to skip this episode and catch us next week. Um, But for those that are ready to dive in, I'm going to roll an interview with a good friend of mine named Katie. She is somebody that I used to uh, teach dancing with years ago, and she's now an educator and also a mother herself of two young children. And when I was throwing the idea around to possibly have an educator on this week to talk about school safety and the threats, you know, against our children and gun violence and that type of thing, um, my sister actually, also a teacher, was the one that suggested possibly having not only an educator, but somebody that was also a mother on so that she understood both sides of that coin. And instantly I thought of my friend Katie. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this interview and we are going to dive in to all things about this tragedy and kind of where we go from here. And I will catch you on the other side. All right, everybody, I have my friend Katie with me and we've made a thousand, you know, makeshift plans ever since working together years ago that we were going to catch up and talk and do all the things. And then three kids later between the two of us, we rarely have time. And unfortunately, it's a circumstance like this that makes us actually buckle down and get on a chat here so we can talk and, you know, hopefully shed some light in this dark time. But um, without further ado, here's my friend Katie, and she is a um, assistant director at an amazing early childhood academy, and she runs their preschool program as well. But I'm going to turn it over to her and let her kind of let you know, you know, her credentials, even though I know she's more than qualified to talk on these topics. But just so everyone out there gets in a nice um, kind of background, uh, who you are, Katie. So hi, Katie, and welcome. Hi, Amy. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you more than yes. just I in passing. Yes. <laughs> um, so I have a um, master's of education and I have been at my school for 16 years now. Wow. It's yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. And for those of you like just a little bit of background, like 
I knew Katie, like I knew Katie, I'll call, like funny because I want to call you Miss Katie. Um, I knew Miss Katie when we, when she was in school. So that, that just seems like yeah. weird to me that it could be 16 years. So that's wild. Okay. Anyway, a long time ago <laughs> and we've known each other longer than that. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. No, that's fine. Oh. It's, we, we, yeah. Like what? Like we were born like at one, right? We were one. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> when we were teaching together yes yes exactly very advanced mm-hmm. um so as amy said i'm also a mom i have two kids i have a daughter who is turning three next month and a son who just turned one. Aww, i just and they're so sweet for those of you who uh, don't know them but they're sweet and i cannot believe that either and i feel like um katie were the first person like when i was considering finding someone, you know, who is an educator during these times, but then also someone who's a mom. And I love the fact that like, not only are you a mom, but you have so much experience in these last 16 years plus with kids and raising kids and kind of setting this foundation at an early age. And now you're experiencing all of this, not only through the eyes of an educator with these, you know, wide-eyed, sweet, little naive beings that you are shaping, but also now you have your own children. And, you know, when you say three years old and one-year-old are almost three and one-year-old, it's like all my brain can think of is like, oh, right before the pandemic and during a pandemic child. So like you have like parented, through so much um and obviously been educating through so much as well but I think even just particularly in the last I would even say five years or so just in you know and I know I have listeners that are not in the U.S. but for those you know people who are familiar with what's been going on in the U.S. it's just been a lot and obviously the pandemic is is global so that it applies to everybody but um you're the perfect person I think to get on here and talk about everything that is going on and all the heaviness that I think a lot of us are holding in our hearts. And I think you have a very interesting perspective that you're on both sides of the coin, specifically in relation to, you know, the tragedy that we saw almost a week ago in Uvalde, Texas, with the massacre of these children at Robb Elementary School. And um, I know I was saying to you before we started the interview that I had something else on my mind that I was going to talk about this week and nothing felt like it like it's like something that I know collectively it's like you can't shake it it's like this this elephant in the room that we're all like are we going to acknowledge this are we just going to like keep pushing forward again like we've been doing through the pandemic and through all these other shootings like even before the school shooting there was you know other massacres at you know the grocery store like less than a week before that so um yeah I just think I I immediately thought of you and just your unique perspective and I think um just to like kick it all off I mean how are you how are you doing as a mother of a little one and as an educator right now how how are you feeling what are you carrying right now well first of all thank you for thinking of me and um I I do want to just address that it it is a heavy topic um you mentioned that we haven't had time to get together let alone have a conversation in a really long time and it's hard that this is the first conversation that we're having in a long time. This is not a conversation that anybody wants to have. And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking at least we're just having this conversation and our kids are safe in bed. Oof. And that's so 
hard for me because mm -hmm. that that word heavy that you used is exactly what last week has has been for yeah. lots of us and we are people who are just carrying news wow I feel like I have like full head to toe goosebumps right now and that just instantly brought tears to my eyes as I'm sure a lot of people who are listening you're right I mean yeah we're allowed to you know, do this chat after our children are down for bedtime. And there's a lot of people that can't say that right now, that their kids are not in their bed safe right now. And oh, that is just a sobering thought to say the least. It's, it's hard. And I, I don't know how to answer the question, how am I doing? Because those are the thoughts that are racing around in my head. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't really watched the news. It's hard with little ones in the house. You don't want them to see it. They always need to be near you, so you can't turn it on. Um, I hear a lot of news through my husband, through social media, which is not a great way to get your news. <laughs> so I, I feel um, that. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm I'm hearing things sort of like a game of telephone through through other people. And, and that's sort of what news is too. There are reporters that, you know, share this with us too, but um, it's, it's almost like an avoidance, mm. you know, not wanting to, to watch those scenes, not wanting to hear about this topic yet again. Um, I was lucky enough to graduate high school before Columbine uh just the year before so it was still kind of heavy knowing mm. that I had just been in high school hallways and all of that yes. and now my perspective has shifted to I have this little girl who is turning three and she's safe in in preschool with with me as one yeah. of her teachers and I <laughs> love that so much but when she turns five like your son is about to then she goes to an elementary school. And I am terrified. I never thought I would say these words. I'm terrified to send her to school. Oh, I mean, like really, truly the goosebumps do not stop coming. Everything you're saying, um, you are hitting nerve after nerve after nerve. And it's true. I already had these thoughts about my son. And like, we call it, when we talk about it with him, about going to kindergarten next year, we talk about the big school, like you're going to go to the big school and there's lots of kids there and there's a lot, you know, and yeah, they're not, you know, they're not all mixing all the time, but like, yeah, it goes all the way up to eighth grade at the school where we're looking at. And, and, but you're right. When you say it like that, it's like, oh shit, it's the big school. Like, oh my God, this is like you know, just like we look at this, the, the most recent shooting, which is really sad to say, even those words, the most recent, like how sad is that? Cause I'm with you when Columbine happened and I was in, I don't remember if I was in like junior high, high school, somewhere in there. I honestly don't remember. Um, at that time, I remember learning about it in school, talking about it, you know, with these teachers and stuff. But, um, anyway, that was like the first one. And it was, you felt like it was like this isolated thing. And then like now to be on the cusp of, like you said, raising these little ones and like, this is just something that happens now. Like this is just, oh, it's just Monday's news or Tuesday's news. Like, and, and I'm with you. It's like this chilling thought of like, you know, what is safe? I remember saying that, you know, seeing a lot of clients myself in my career this week. 
we've been talking about that. What even is safe? Okay. So you can't go to school. You can't go to a festival. You can't go to, you know, a concert. You can't go to the movie theater. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to, I mean, like the list is Mm-hmm. Any and like club, yeah, and heaven forbid that you're, you know, any kind of minority demographic, then you know, even a bigger target on your back. I mean, it is just, you know, again, like you're like looking at the sweet innocence, and like you said, because you're in school with your daughter, like, not you know, unfortunately, it doesn't protect them against everything that we want to protect them against, but there's that element of this is in my control. This is still in my control. I can still be there. I can still make this okay. And then, yeah, all of a sudden when your kids start getting older and you, you know, and you think elementary school, okay, kindergarten, he's still a baby. He's still my baby. And then you see, this was someone else's baby just last week. And the, the innocence and, and the young, you know, the age, doesn't stop you doesn't make you exempt from these sick things that are happening in our world and like not even to mention the fact that all this is going on when we're already in collective grief and trauma from two years plus of a deadly pandemic so like how much more can we put on the plate how much more can I carry in my backpack before I literally lose it and like you said there's this element of like disassociating turning it off. I don't want to know about it. Numbing out, which is me too. I'm going like, why do I feel so numb about this? Cause it's like, if we felt everything we're feeling right now, we would crumble. We couldn't get up and, and make breakfast in the morning for our children. Like you couldn't do it. You wouldn't send your kid to school. And it's like this, like having to push forward. And then on the other side of that, like I find myself one of my coping strategies, which is horrible for I, in my own words, it's like, I'm hyper. Like I like want to know every detail. I want to know like what did he eat for breakfast that morning? I want to know everything. Cause like, it makes me feel like this false sense of security or something. I don't know. So I feel like you either go, Maybe. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything or tell me everything. So I can try to make sense of this. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, nothing makes sense. It's not going to make sense. It's insane. It is. And, and you were talking about the transition to kindergarten, which we have a whole parent night dedicated to that. Um, you know, we talk to parents about this is a huge transition. It's hard on children. It's, it's going to be hard on you. They're going to be exhausted. It's such a big transition in their lives, bigger than anything that you or they have done up until this point. And like you said, now we're adding these extra building blocks and it's just it's <laughs> this is my preschool reference right it's getting too tall it's going to fall down wow there's yeah. there's there's just too much for parents and children to have to deal with it's it's such a huge transition anyway for those little 5 year olds they are still babies and they're they're going finally to the big school and it should be an exciting time and it should be something new and exciting for them. And it's instead terrifying. Yeah, I, you're right. There's this whole thought about it, like tainting these experiences. I think, like you said, like this should be an exciting time. And it's like, I don't, I mean, it's like robbing, you know, it's like robbing or, or like, you know, like I guess tainting is the best word. Like it, it's like, instead of these exciting milestones and this is, and this goes for more than just the element of safety and gun control and, and, and safety in schools, like even just with the pandemic too, like there's all these different layers 
you know, obviously the gun, the gun issue is fresh on our mind and is, is a huge threat, but it's just, there's just so much going on right now that you're right. It's like, it's, it's spilling over and, and robbing a little bit of the joy of these early moments, or even like, I think about older children. Like I remember thinking early on, like how hard it was at the pandemic with like, you know, these younger kids and being home with these younger kids. But I also think milestones for older kids, proms, boyfriends and girlfriends or relationships, meeting friends, you know, class trips, field trips, you know, all this stuff. And it just is, it's like just too much. There's just these elements that are making it. um, It's such a hard time right now for, for parents to feel that same kind of joy that you pictured when you had that, you know, that little baby in your arms and you, you hope the best for them and all these things. And I don't know about you, Katie, but like, I've been looking at my son so differently this week. It's just like, he's playing out in the backyard and I'm just like staring at him and just thinking like, you know, don't forget this. Like, it's like, I want to like burn these memories into my head. Cause I'm so scared that like, you know, anything can happen. And it's, it's ruining so much of like the joy in the moment. I mean, we're talking about, you know, our young kids, but even these older kids, like going off to college. I mean, this it's like the limit of the capacity, I guess I should say the capacity of the crazy, like doesn't exist. Like it doesn't stop. It just, it's like, it could happen anywhere, anytime. And it feels like no one's safe. And it, it was already preying on this time in our society or across the globe of feeling hypervigilant because of a virus. And now we've got this huge dark cloud hanging over us even more so. And it just is unbearable. It is. I, um, in preparation for this conversation with you, I was looking back at Facebook and Instagram. As I said, I get some of news from there. I remember seeing some posts and I wish that I could have found some of these exact ones, not only to give credit where credit's due, but to remember their exact words because words are so powerful. But what you are talking about is one of the posts that I saw and you might've seen it as well. I know we follow a lot of the same accounts. Yeah. Um, they said something about memorizing every inch of their child's frame Um, And it was in reference to being scared to send their child to school because they don't know if they are going to come home. And it, it does, it robs you of the joy. And as much as we try to remember them little and remember because their faces change, right? So you want to remember the baby face and the toddler face and the little kid face, and then the big kid face, and then the teenage face and all of those faces. It's, it's in a different light now. There is that fear underlying and it just doesn't make the joyous moments as joyous anymore. Mm -hmm. And I even find myself going one step further, which I don't know that I've ever said this out loud and it's at the risk of sounding completely insane, but I'm sure that there's somebody else out there that will go, oh yeah, me too. Like I find myself even trying to memorize like okay, what was he wearing this morning? Just in case I have to like identify or like it just stuff like that. That's like, this is sick. This is just absolutely sick that that's even a thought that goes through your brain. Like, you know, what if someone asked me, 
you know, whatever, like, will I remember, will I be enough up on my game? And then there's like, this is code switching of like, you're driving your kid to school. I don't know about, about how you guys ride to school, but like with my son, there's never dull moments. There's like, you know, perfect music that he's choosing. And there's like, you know, I spy and like, you're playing all these games and it's like lighthearted and you're trying to get him amped up for the day and all these things. And it's like, bye, have a nice day, you know? And um, actually there's a running, this is kind of a, a lighthearted way to break up this heavy talk for a moment. My, we have an inside joke in my family. Um, Cause we were making some joke, you know, pardon my crudeness, but like with my son who is, very much into the, you know, potty talk and humor. And we always, we, and we leave each day saying, bye, have a good day. Try not to poop your pants. <laughs> and it's, it's so stupid, but it makes us laugh. And so I'm just thinking of like, we're saying these things, right? Bye. You know, and we're trying to keep it lighthearted. And in the back of all of our brains as parents, we're like, please just let this be a good day. Please just let this be a normal day. Please let my kid come home. And it's like having to code switch between this like fear and this like, I'm putting on a brave face and everything's great and have a great day at school and your teachers are going to protect you. And you're going, I don't know if that's true. And that is like another level of torture, to be honest. And, and then, okay, so like you probably have these same feelings as a mother, but okay, on the flip side of that, the day after all this went down, I was dropping my son off at as his school and there was a field trip and there are all the teachers dressed, smiling, professional, warm, cheerful, welcoming, and no one saying a word about what we all know is on our brains. And I just thought, man, like this is heavy for me and I'm putting all my trust into this establishment and into these women, because it's all women at my son's school. And like, but they're human too, and they're mothers too, possibly. And like, you know, and and they're showing up. And essentially, I think of my sister, like she's signing up essentially to be a human shield. And no one signed up for that. She's she's not a police officer. And then gosh, don't even get me started on the Uvalde thing, the fact that people who are trained and have gear to address such a situation, which is still very scary. And if that was a family member of mine, you know, that would give me pause. But at the same time, they signed up for this. Teachers nowadays can't even get classroom supplies and you want them to stand in front of my four-year-old and get shot up with bullets. I mean, like, and I just can't get over like this code switching, this like idea of like, bye, have a great day. Everything's going to be fine. See you when I pick you up. Okay, whatever. And then these teachers, hey, welcome to school. You know, let's have a good morning. Let's let's go through the day. And everyone is carrying this, this heaviness. And we're all just having to just keep going. Like, what is that like? I mean, I, I mean, you had to do that firsthand. I did. Um and do all the time and and do all the time you're right because although I was not on the side of the building where you drop off your son I am in that building Mm. and your email which you sort of referenced because you just said some of the things that you said in your lovely email it was it was so beautifully written and it it touched on so many of those important things and you know as as we both mentioned I work in early childhood these children are very young 
and it's not appropriate to talk with them about it. Hopefully there has been some appropriateness at home and they've not been seeing any of this or hearing about any of this. Certainly we all know young children with their elephant ears hear everything. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully they're not picking up on too much of it. And there's, there's not much that we do with the children at my school to, um, to talk about these kinds of topics, but I would be lying if I said we didn't have a plan in place and that we haven't practiced Mm. a lockdown procedure and an evacuation procedure. Um, It's just part of what we do now. And some of the conversations with staff um, just at meetings in the past when we talk about how we go through these procedures and how can we make them better and safer and bringing in police officers to talk about, is this the safest way? It, it all sounds nuts when, when you think about it and you think about a preschool. Um, But you're right. It's, it's unnerving to have heard about the number of police officers that were there waiting and who was inside somebody's baby mm-hmm. somebody's sister somebody's mom mm. and they were the ones on the front line you got it untrained unprotected i mean trained as far as a protocol but mm-hmm. not trained with tactical gear and weapons, (laughs) you know, and and rightfully so that's not your job. There has to be something else. And, and I get it. I get that maybe they were, they were standing down because of a, 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 because of a command given. I understand that, that I'm sure there were police officers that day that knew it was wrong, that were like, I need to be in there. I get that. But at the end of the day, like, where is the humanness? I'm sorry, like break command and go save someone's baby. Even if it's one, even if it's one, I don't care. That's someone's kid. And even if it was, you know, even if it wasn't, even if, you know, even if it was a teacher, that's a human, we're talking about a human life. And to know, I mean, I heard reports that the same child called 911 three or four different times. And then, and then, God, it, it, it makes me literally physically sick to talk about that being said, the fear that that kid was feeling that is so beyond the scope of what anyone that age can deal with should ever experience, see, go through. I mean, and I, and this is coming from someone who, you know, on the other side of the globe in Michigan and or not globe, but you know, country and here I am listening to these reports and I'm not kidding. The next day I'm at my salon and th- this happened. There was like, it was quiet. And I would hear like, you know, some noise of say someone, you know, bumping into the door and I jumped and there was a man walking outside the door or the window that I could see that I thought I had saw earlier in the day. And he like had come back down the street and he, he didn't look pleasant. I mean, he didn't look mean he wasn't in like fatigues or something where he looked like he was you know suited up for for a fight but that being said like he looked disgruntled a little bit and I kind of was like wait 
is he coming back for something? And I, and instantly I'm like, okay, if someone came in here, what would I do? Where would I go? And this is like, it's insane. And this is like you said, at the beginning of this whole conversation, this is after hearing the news, this isn't even after experiencing it. And now we're talking about families that will never, ever be the same, whether it's because they lost somebody, because their kid was in the school, because they heard it, because they saw it, like, because they're a neighbor of it, because they live across the street. I mean, like, it's like this ripple effect is so huge and, and maybe good, maybe that's good. Maybe this is like, I mean, how many more is it going to take? I mean, it's been 10 years since another U.S elementary school shooting. And that wasn't even enough. And like, I mean, there's gotta be some middle ground and everyone says, Oh, it's, you know, it's muddy and this and that, but like take one step, any step, anything is better. You know, I don't know. And I'm sure like, and I know Katie referenced an email. And so for those of you that are like, what is she talking about email? I last week I wrote an email to the faculty at my son's school, because again, it just felt wrong to just show up and say, oh, hi, thanks, bye, you know, have a good day and and not like acknowledge. And again, it hits home because my sister's a fourth grade teacher. It's like, I know what's on her heart. I know what she's stepping into every single day. And then to know that like my son's teachers that are sitting here, you know, with smiles on their faces, are feeling the same way and they have families and it just felt wrong. And so, I mean, if nothing else, when you hear this podcast today, maybe you think to reach out to your teacher friends or your, your child's school, or maybe you donate or something. It's just like, what else can we do? And I know you referenced Katie, like the, the protocols in place, what, like on a, on a, I'm sure every school is different. What does that look like? Is there like a baseline? Is there something that like we should be looking for? Like, and this is so sad to even think about when we send our kids off to school, when we're looking for a school for our children, is there, are there questions we should be asking? Are, is there a protocol we should be looking for? Is there like a gold standard? Like what is, what is in place? What is the norm, I guess, which is sad that this is the norm, but ugh. It's such a good question. And I agree with you. It's, it's sad. It's sad to have to think that question, ask that question. It's sad that that's a thing. Um, it, it makes me think about another post that I saw that again, I wish I could, um, could have found it to give credit, but it was a mom talking about walking through a school for, I don't know if it was a new school or if it was the kindergarten transition, but they were walking in with their child um, for like meet the teacher or something like that. And she was looking around that room for where would her child hide if they needed to. She was thinking ahead to what's the protocol? What if something goes wrong here? How is my baby going to be safe? Mm. And I would say you can mm. always ask that question. And you, and you should. In this day and age, we have to, unfortunately. Um, it's a question that we have been asked before at our school. And like I said, we do have protocols in place for these kinds of things. It's scary to think about, but you have to know what to do. You have to have practiced it as a staff in order to get children to be able to do what they need to do in a scary situation. Mm. And um, mm. one of the, the layers that we added um, is to have more window coverage 
because you don't want anybody seeing in, you don't want anybody knowing that there are people, let alone children, if that's what's going through their mind, if as sick as that is, that could be something, right? Um, where is the safest place? Where do we go if we have to get out of there? Um, it's all, it's all in place, but it's, it's something that we don't necessarily at a first phone call or visit to the school bring up, but if a parent asks us, we will absolutely tell you that we have something in place and, and we have these practices that we do throughout the year, required ones for weather and things like that. And the ones that you can't predict as well. Um, and we're lucky that our staff is well-versed in, in those kinds of things. And we have little code names and things that we say. And when a member of the office staff says that, everyone on the teaching staff knows exactly what to do. Wow. And that's wow. part of the reason why I'm comforted by the fact that my daughter is at my school, other than what you mentioned, that I feel like I have a little bit of control. And I think it is a false sense of control just because I'm there physically. I can see her. Um, you know, I could pick her up in my arms physically. I could walk her out of the building myself if I needed to. Um, and that's not to say that she would take priority over the other children. They're all my responsibility but it feels good being there with her and being able to see her throughout the day where you, on the other hand, are on the outside of the building, dropping off your son, leaving him trusting us to take care of him the whole day until you mm -hmm. come back. I think it just goes to say how important it is to love where your kid goes to school get a good vibe, follow your gut. I know that sounds so woo sometimes, but you know, and of course it's a privileged thing to say because some kids don't have that option. You, whatever's close, whatever you can get to, but asking those hard questions too, like demanding an answer, tell me exactly how, um, so that not only do you know that there's a plan in place, but that they know that educators at that school also know this is important stuff, you know, and I, I would assume that they already know that, but just putting a little bit of the, the heat on, I guess, a little bit to make sure it is as well oiled and ready to go as it could possibly be in that event. Because I think a lot of us like to think this could never happen to me. This could never happen in my community. And as much as I'd like to believe that, I mean, I think every single time we see something like this happen, you realize that everyone thought that, <laughs> you know, everyone thought that. And I, and I know from, I mean, at least the news that's come out so far, as far as I've read, you know, there was a door propped open on the side of the building or the back of the building. And that's how the shooter entered. And I'm sure it must've been, oh, let's get some fresh air or somebody just, you know, didn't close it all the way. And it was a faulty latch. Who knows what the point is like the second you let your guard down, you know, and and you hate to think that way. You, you know, no one likes to go through their life thinking the worst case scenario, but when it comes to my kid in a, in a, and in, in almost like a sitting duck position in a school where they are expected to go, where you have to send, or unless you're like homeschooling, whatever, but um, you know, like that's something that everyone's expected to do. And 
you're right. It's trusting your gut, asking those hard questions. And I think as a parent speaking, just as a parent, you know, I wouldn't want to go in and like, you know, sometimes bringing up those things is really hard because you don't want to think about it. And also like, you don't want to be that like thorn in your teacher's side, you know, you don't want to be like that, that parent that's like, now tell me about this and tell me about that. But I think in, in this is just, you know, a broad generalization, but knowing my sister, she right now, she does not have children of her own at this point in her life. And she's wanted to be an educator her whole life. When I tell you that my sister, even on her hardest day, goes home and thinks about her kids, thinks about the best ways to support those kids, uses her own money to do the things that will support those kids. Like any educator that is in it for the right reasons, which I would hope is the majority, if not all, they do care. Like you said so eloquently, like, yes, your daughter's in there and it would be comforting to help her out of in that situation. But all of those kids are your kids in that moment. And that's true. And, and, but finding if you are able that community in your school, that, you know, that there are people that work there that feel that way, that, that, you know, would treat your child with the care that they would want bestowed on their own is huge and asking those hard questions and making sure that it's something that's in place. And is there like a way, like, I mean, I know our, our children's ages three and you know almost five are t- probably too young. I mean, you know, as an early childhood educator, I'm sure you'll school us on this, but um, sh- is it something we should be discussing at home? Is it something we should ask them the protocol so we could like, I hate to say play it at home, but like, you know, talk about it at home. Oh, let's be really quiet and hide. Like, I mean, are there things that we should be doing to bolster that? Or is that just something that is like a one-off and we're hoping that we never have to go there. So we leave it to the teacher. I mean, like, what is the best case scenario for us working in conjunction with that plan, I guess, is where I'm, what I'm asking. That's a tough question because when I think about the age range between preschools, elementary schools, you know, up to high schools. And then we have other situations, like you mentioned, at nightclubs and grocery stores and movie theaters and, and things like that. Um, you know, we as adults who might be in a nightclub or a grocery store or a movie theater don't practice those things. Mm. And my gut as an early childhood educator is to not um, one of the posts that I saw that I, I actually took a screenshot of so I could give credit <laughs> uh, was from Curious Neuron. And they love said, that account. P.S. Love that account. account. Um, they said it's okay to simply hug and connect with your child when you don't know the right word, what the right words might be. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was so perfect, especially for early childhood, because our adult brains, at least with little children, think like that. Should we be practicing? How do I get him ready for this worst case scenario? But you don't want to teach your child to think worst case scenario. And your child is always just looking for connection with you and connection with his teachers and other adults in his life, right? it's okay to just connect. And that's what we did last week. We just 
connected with children. Um, I have student taught in elementary schools. I prefer younger children, which is why I landed where I did and ended up staying there for so long. Um, I can't really speak to elementary, middle school, high school, anything like that, but I still don't think it's appropriate to put that idea in their mind, so to speak. Um, we don't wanna cause anxiety or unnecessary trauma to a child who maybe, hopefully, never has to go through something like that. But in the instance that they do, to your point, you wanna know that the adults that are responsible for them in those moments know what to do and can handle that situation. And that's something that you can say to older children, your teachers, your principal, whoever it might be, knows exactly what to do and they know how to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that touches on two really good points. I think showing a united front with the teachers, if you have a child that's old enough to understand. So something like they've got you covered kind of thing. Like, I mean, that might be the wrong wording because not physically or whatever, but they've got it handled and you need to, you know, just make sure that if this was ever going to happen and, and we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that it doesn't happen to you. But if anything were to go wrong, you, you stay with that teacher, whatever they say, like, so showing a united front at an age appropriate level that basically you just reinforcing the importance of, you know, staying with the teacher and with their words and their guidance. So I think that's good. Cause you're right. Like I'm not trained in those situations either. So I don't want to give, you know, any of my two cents basically it would be, you just follow the person that does know, you know? Um, and then, like you said, with the younger ones that we hope are not hearing about this at all, because it is just frankly, not appropriate. I always try to go back to, and this is totally unrelated to, you know, especially gun safety, but safety socialization versus like that nurturing piece as a parent, knowing that bad things will happen outside of your home. Let's say it's, you know, you're so, someone turned your kid down to play on the playground that hurts their feelings. Or somebody says, you know, you're not my friend or somebody, you know, something like that, those things, but you're not going to send someone off to school and say, you know, someone might tell you they don't want to be your friend. Like, you're not going to put that in their head already. What you are going to do as a parent is know that something in out of your control may happen, but you're working from the inside out. You're parenting from the inside out. You are working on, like you said, the connection piece, which forms security and safety and love. That's what you can control. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously this is your wheelhouse, but that is something that I, I, that's a really good point that we don't know what the future holds and we hope it's never that, but we don't need to put the cart in front of the horse. We don't need to have them understand all the workings of the world from a young age, because what if we need to make them so secure and safe and loved inside that they have the best tools to kind of flow with life's hardships. And of course, when you're talking about something like, you know, a school shooting or something like that, 
it's much more grave than the things I'm implying. But there's that that element of, like you said, feeling safe and secure and connected. And that's really the most appropriate way, at least with those little ones, that you should be addressing that safety. And that might mean when they're going to kindergarten, like for my son next year, really connecting about it, really spelling out the things that you know, you know, the that are predictable, you know, just the the layout of the day or taking him to meet the teachers or going to play at the playground there so he can see that stuff. So he feels connected and safe in his environment. But that doesn't mean necessarily talking about all these heavy, heavy things and putting that on them. Because I know my son does have a tendency toward anxiety. And I mean, that's something that he could not carry. He does, he shouldn't have to, and he is developmentally unable to do that. So you're not going to throw that onto their plate, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. And Mm -hmm. what, what you just made me think about is the trusted adult. So that's something that we often talk with young children about. Um, you know, back to the stranger danger or whatever you might call it, knowing that your parents are safe. These friends of ours that we trust are safe. Um, Your teacher is a safe person. Knowing who the safe people are is so important. And it doesn't become irrelevant who the unsafe people are. But if you know who the safe people are, that's who you go to. Mm -hmm. You're good, right? Hopefully in childhood, not just early childhood. That's such an important piece to know that there are adults in your world that will keep you safe beyond those that live with you in your home. Oh, I love that. I love that. So definitely reinforcing what is in your control and in your knowledge in the positive sense. This is, you know, who you can trust. This is who you can follow versus, like you said, focusing on the negative aspect. I, that's that's such a brilliant piece of advice. And I think that could be applied, you know, I mean, especially with the little ones, but all the way through. Um, do you have any advice? And I'm not necessarily talking about little ones at this point, just for children in general, or even elementary aged, who do know more about what's going on, who do understand that this is an active shooter drill or whatever. Um, is there some tools for anxiety and coping that you can share? Like some, I don't want to say easy because I'm not trying to brush it off, but some things that you can do at home, you know, not with a professional, I guess. Something that like if your child is really struggling, that they're like, you know, mom, I, I need to know that I'm okay. If they're really having like, what do you suggest for those kids in that moment when they're feeling that anxiety? That's a really good question. And again, it's not my um, usual area of expertise, if you will. (laughs) Um, But I am a big believer in if the child is knowledgeable enough to ask the question, then they deserve the real, truthful, honest answer. So if you have a child who, like you said, knows this is an active shooter drill that we're doing. And I've heard enough about this topic to know what that really means. And they're asking you questions about it. Um, And I mean, you as in you're their parent or a trusted adult in their life, hopefully. 
you should you should answer their questions. Um, maybe ask them to get a little more specific. Uh, that way you can answer little bits that they might be having some anxiety about rather than, like I said, our adult brains think so differently, right? So you don't want to just jump to, okay, this is a big topic. Let's start with this huge answer. Mm -hmm. They might just be looking for that sense of security. Mm. And this is their way of connecting with a, a safe person in their lives, right? So break it down with them have the tough conversation, ask questions back to figure out what are they really wondering or worrying about? Mm. And then give them a truthful answer. It might be just one question that they really have on their minds that they want answered. And it's probably, am I safe? That's a good one. I love that. Cause you're right. Like as an adult, you jump into the hole, like, okay, well, here we go. And then by doing that, you might open up new cans of worms that they didn't even think about. And now you're in, you know, in a way, you know, inappropriate for their age conversation. So I love, I love that piece of advice asking, you know, to get more specific and taking it to their level and giving them the pieces that they can digest. And then being there through the feelings sitting through the feelings, um, developing, you know, skills and comforting ways to connect with your child and show love and security. And I think that's, I mean, it sounds like that's the name of the game. I mean, life's going to happen. It's going to be, it's going to be unpredictable. And unfortunately until, you know, pardon my language, but people get their heads out of their asses who can actually do something about this problem. Um, I don't think I've ever said part of my language on the show, by the way. <laughs> um, but anyway, until people can get their heads out of their asses and do something about this to actually protect the people that deserve this protection in our society, you know, the children, you know, anyone who's being attacked like this, it's just terrible. Um, that's kind of all we can do is just feel the feelings, offer security, do the vetting when we can about the, the processes in place and just support and love. And it's just so hard. Ugh. I'm like, so depressing. I'm like, oh God, it's too much, you know? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we can cover. I mean, I, there was someone that reached out and said, how can we best prepare our, our children to know that they're safe in school? But I think we already covered it. I think your last couple, you know, tidbits are perfect for that. And I think it can be applied to all different age groups. And um, even for those older kids, like if you're really struggling, find a mental health professional and, and ask them for a session or two to work through this as a family. Because um, sometimes we don't have the answers. And sometimes that's the answer too, to say to our kids, listen, you know what? I don't know, but I love you and let's figure this out. Um, Anyways, thank you, Katie. I'm so sorry that it's it's on these terms that we're chatting, but hearing it delivered so eloquently from somebody who gets it from an educator perspective and also as a parent is, I think, maybe the piece that we all needed just to kind of keep pulling through and knowing that we're doing all that we can right now because it really just feels so overwhelming and so debilitating. 
and needs to be acknowledged, frankly. You know, we can't just keep, keep squashing this down and pretending it's not happening, you know? You're exactly right. It's, it's big, it's heavy, it, it needs and deserves to be talked about. And I thank you for making it part of your podcast and, and having this tough conversation. Um, like I said, it wasn't easy for me to be part of this conversation, but I'm honored to have been part of it. And hopefully something that I said helps somebody out mm -hmm. there um, because this is, this is not a world that I ever thought we would be living in, let alone that our children would be growing up in. So we do need to talk about it. And I hate that this was our longest conversation in a long time too, but it's been really nice talking with you. We'll have to do it again, whether it's on the podcast or not, um, about yeah. something completely unrelated. Yeah, I would love that actually. And before we sign off, just again, thank you for everything that you do. Um, it's just so important having these early educators that love and support our kids and deeply care for them and take it so seriously as I know that you do is just everything. And these are the little steps that hopefully we're making that, you know, will shift the bigger picture. Cause I think parenting and child raising in any capacity, whether that's your own child or somebody else's can be an act of activism. And it is important to view it as such and to use that power to keep doing good and, and have that ripple effect spread out. And if we keep raising kids to do better than, you know, societies before them, then, you know, on, on our end, that's a win, you know, that's all we can really do um, to show up and, and support those kids to do that. So thank you for everything that you do. And if anyone's listening, if you're feeling motivated to reach out and say something, please do. Um, and just reach out to a teacher this week and let them know that you care and that you've got their back or even a mom who's struggling. So thank you again, Katie. Thank you. Welcome back everybody. I know that was a little bit heavy and had a lot of emotion and we talked a lot about some pretty serious subjects, but I still hope that amongst all the sadness and the grief and the anger that you may feel when thinking about these topics, you also found a little bit of inspiration or comfort or maybe just some words that you could hold on to to move forward as we navigate life past this tragedy. Um, the last few years have been really heavy, and I know for a lot of us, there's been a lot of big feelings, you know, with ourselves like anxiety and depression and just heaviness in life lately. And then on top of it, a lot of us our parents and having to navigate that with children is especially hard and it calls us in deeper just to do that really heavy lifting and I just really hope that um, this interview felt like talking it out with a good friend um, and hopefully you gain some insight from that. So again, thank you Katie for being on the podcast. I know it wasn't an easy Thing to agree to with the topic at hand, but um, I, for one, really appreciate your professional take and then also the compassion that you were able to show the situation from the eyes of a mother. 
And for those listening, if it inspired anything in you that you would like to share or reach out about, please do so. Um, You can always reach me on Instagram at grow.up.ig or on email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. And next week, or in two weeks rather, when we drop the next podcast, I'm hoping to be able to get back to business as usual and share some more lighthearted content with you all. Um, But until then, I hope that you're doing okay. Please take care of yourselves. Remember to allow space and compassion and grace for yourself as you navigate these big feelings during this hard time. And I said it during the interview, but I'll say it again. Never be afraid to reach out to a therapist or somebody who has the credentials to actually pitch in if you are in crisis or if you know somebody that is. A resource that is great for that is the website psychologytoday.com and you can find mental health advocates in your area. So don't be afraid to do that if that's what you need to do. Until next time, I will talk to you then. Bye-bye.